Welcome to Panic Mode, the podcast for gamers and game designers with your hosts who are exactly okay at communicating, Aiden and Shelby. Oh my goodness. Today, we are so excited to be speaking with the wonderful Christopher Wood to get some of his insights and ideas on how communication works in the video game industry. And this is especially interesting when some of your team members are actually spread across places like China, Canada, France, and Italy, to name a few. So we are very excited to have you, Chris. Say hello to everybody. (laughs) Hey, nice to meet you. Great to be on. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for so joining much us today, here. Chris. Uh, Shelby. Yeah, no worries. Um, mm. Was was you just speaking over me and not letting me do the my little intro part of the bad communication thing? Oh, that was that. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. I was just just to tell. Yeah, exactly. Just to show how <laughs> it works. So Let's much. just talk over each other for the entire thing. I think that's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chris, just to introduce you a little bit, so you are the COO, the Chief Operating Officer at a company based in Shanghai called Pixelmatic, and you've been in that position for over three years now. Is that is that correct? That's right. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So Aiden and I actually get to work with Chris um, pretty frequently, I would say, which is super cool because Chris is super cool. Um, and, you know, you get to handle everything from aligning the team with the company culture, workflow development and implementation, agile development, which we're going to get into a little bit, I think, and, you know, everything to, to game design as well. So Yeah, uh, yeah, indeed, yeah. I'm it's, excited. It's pretty, to, it's pretty wide. <laughs> yeah, you wide got range. to. You do a lot of things, Chris. <laughs> so when people ask you what you do for a living, what do you say? Yeah, that's like the hardest question in the world. I even like asking myself. It's it's like, what do you do day to day? Right. Um, <laughs> pretty much everything. <laughs> like, yeah. it's one of those things where you know. I think it's 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 funny because we're going to be talking about communication a lot. I think that's actually my de facto title from a lot of people is like the communications guy. You know what I mean? The person that kind of loops everyone in together. Mm-hmm. But um, really, it's like, it's the operations of the business, right? So making sure that day-to-day um, things are actually working and that the game is being made. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that overlaps a little bit with production because, you know, there's a lot of sort of wide-ranging stuff that happens with production too. But even things like, you know, talking to investors, like bringing in money and marketing and making sure that you know the marketing people can actually talk to the development people because there's, <laughs> there's a lot of sort of messy communication on that front like regularly so that, that's a lot of the job you know uh, just making sure that things are kind of running smoothly okay so while we have an, an expert with uh, communication on the line with us today what are some methods that you use to handle communication in the workplace and in your life i suppose yeah it's <laughs> Well, it's obviously like a pretty huge question, right? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think to give some some context, like as in the intro, as you guys were speaking, um, we're in pretty distributed team. So mm. the headquarters are in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And I've been in China for like eight years. I'm married to a, a Chinese girl and uh, I've got kids and all that. And obviously I'm British and we've got Italians on the team. We've got uh, Canadians, Americans, uh, we've got people all over. Not to mention like, because I think in any business, not even just the video game industry, but in any business like cross-departmental communication is actually really challenging. Mm-hmm. So it's very common for just production and sales. And that's just like one of those things in business, like production and sales, they almost never get along. Because the sales always want to oversell, right? They always want to just go to the customer and say, oh, yeah, you're sure you can have this. You can have whatever the hell you want. You know, that's no problem. Mm -hmm. And the production people are always catching up. But 
in terms of, there's, there's obviously like, the, the main problem for us is this distributed teams and trying to get face-to-face -face communication because without a doubt, that is the best form of communication, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know obviously because like, you speak to me on a regular basis, we hardly really, well, I don't think, we've never met face-to-face, -face, but we use uh, Zoom or whatever to, to chat. Mm -hmm. But you, it's hard to get a lot of context and read each other's expressions, you know, body language. It's really, it helps to build a relationship to have that as much as possible. But it's, it's a challenge, you know, it's a challenge. So we do use agile principles, which I don't know if you're too familiar with or people who listen to your podcast is too familiar with. Well, actually, but, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to pause right yeah, here ahead. because I, I have a quick nightmare story to tell about agile development. Oh, where, <laughs> I don't even know if I... When Shelby was telling that. me that this was something you had some expertise in, I was like, oh my God, this is the time to educate our listeners because I had a friend who was telling me that he went in for a big game design interview and they asked him if he had experienced in agile development. And he said, it's like, well, I know what it is. And like, I've, I've done it in like small amounts, but I don't have any experience on a big project. And they literally just ended the interview there and told him to get out. <laughs> so, oh, God, really? Oh, my. In case you weren't listening now, That's prospective terrible. game developers, you should really know what agile development is. And Chris is going to tell you. So, Chris, just what Whoa. is agile development? Yeah, do you want to give yeah, like a I mean... <laughs> bite-sized overview? I know there's a lot of uh, moving pieces in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, first things first. I mean, I can't believe that they were just rejected right there and then because they didn't know. I mean, because... Agile, like, usually you coach teams to become agile, right? You don't expect people right away to, to be able to put, hold these values and principles to the heart, like, right away. But I, I don't know. I guess maybe some people just can't be bothered with the coaching process and help <laughs> them just jump right in. But it's, it's essentially um, as a framework, you know, it's, it's, it's a set of values. So it's essentially, it goes against, I think it was in the 70s or something, when people were doing uh, waterfall development. Where, and especially this would just never work for a game, I don't think, unless it was super small or like a remake or something. Mm -hmm. But the idea is with Waterfall is you design it right up front. You know, you like you sort of outline the entire project right there, right there at the front. And you've got all the resources, the money, the time, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to some sort of development and testing and so on. And it, and it goes like a waterfall step by step. Whereas Agile is a lot more about being agile being able to adapt very quickly like mm -hmm. to inspect yeah. reflect on um one thing that i really like about agile actually that i mostly hold to my heart is this idea of reflection in teams so you know we usually do sprints of about two weeks um yeah. and dexter who you know is the scrum master for, for yes. those teams <laughs> yeah he's a he's a funny dude but anyway he like every two weeks they have this sort of re retrospective meeting where they look at their processes and what went kind of well and what didn't go so well and mm -hmm. they really try and drive in and um and it should be team uh, come from the team right it's not like the the boss says oh you know you did this crap you did this really bad you know mm -hmm. it's not yeah. a case of that at all it comes from them and it can okay. also be about management as well okay so maybe dexter didn't do so good or whatever but the point is that you have these two week sprints of development where up front you plan two weeks worth of work, right? So, okay, so maybe we're going to talk about the direction and controls of our spaceship this, uh, these two weeks. That's actually quite big, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll, they'll plan that up front. They'll estimate it. They'll try and dig into all these tasks. Um, and they'll work, 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 work. And they've got this deadline after two weeks, which makes everyone a little bit sweaty. <laughs> and we have a review where people like Jason, our chief creative, will take a look and say, okay, this is going really well, but we, you know, and give some feedback and so on. 
so that we can adapt very quickly. So, okay, you know what? This isn't working. Let's switch. We've only lost two weeks if the worst comes to the worst, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you, if you planned everything up front and then only realized that there was a real problem, you know, <laughs> three, four, five months down the line, you've lost a lot of time and money. And you might not even be willing to switch. You know, there might be this big problem, but you just try and cover it up somehow. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of main overall purpose. But there is, there's a very specific thing. So there's these four, I mean, I don't want to, I don't know if you guys want a real agile lesson here, but there are these like four values, which is like having individual interaction over process and tools, yes. uh, maybe working just, software. Yeah, yeah maybe just speak to those four values and why they're important to game development as opposed to other kind of projects. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, the first one, yeah, the individuals and interactions over process and tools, right? So they're less responsive, responsive to change, generally speaking, processes and tools. And essentially getting people talking together, making sure there's alignment in what the vision for this game is, right? Because I think, I'm just very quickly, yeah, if people aren't aligned on what the game is, you have that old schoolyard thing of like, no, I killed you, no, you killed me, you, you know? And you, it's really important that everyone's on the same track, especially, you know, we're going to go into communication, obviously, especially when you've got people with Chinese culture, American culture, which, by the way, are massively different. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about what this game would be, right? And mm -hmm. you've got to make sure they're on the same track. Yeah. Working software is just over sort of documentation. So the idea in Waterfall, of course, is you'd have so much documentation, like big GDDs, right? Big game design documents, like in the old days. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the original <laughs> Diablo game design document, which is really interesting because it's quite different. Doom is funny as well. You ever see the original Doom game design document? I have not. No, I've seen no, scripts oh. uh, of games that were printed like the the narrative scripts just be like hundreds of thousands of pages, but never, uh, yeah, the game development but document. Do you, do you know itself. if those are available online? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can, like, you look can, your can video. find the original Doom. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but I, I, you can definitely find it on Google. Well, we'll, we'll throw that in the show notes. Yeah, that would be super cool to, yeah, to see. It's so different, right? And this is the point. Like, they must have wasted so many resources, like, for, uh, proving this thing out. But the idea with Agile is, you know, very quickly, you know, you're gray boxing stuff, you're checking things out. It's like, okay, this is a good direction. Or we need to switch right yeah so they really value this working stuff and also getting rid of bugs um as you as you iterate yeah but so yeah kind of um, like that, um that mantra of like fail fast <laughs> and then yeah that's exactly it yeah you, correct so you want all this integrated work you know working stuff you know you want bug free bug free gray boxing as you as you uh build out features and things mm -hmm. um and the other one, this is a bit more software developer as opposed to game developer. It kind of depends if you're an indie, it might work, but you've got more customer collaboration over contract negotiation, which is it's a bit businessy, that one. But the idea is that, you know, you're talking to your stakeholders regularly and, and making sure that they, you know, know what the game is and if it's going to be fun. And, you, you know, you're going along with them and making sure that the product you deliver is what they really want. Right. Yeah. Some game studios like to do that, but a lot of AAA, not so much. Right. <laughs> yeah. And finally, just responding to change rather than following the plan. You know, it's not. It's, yeah. it's just about being adaptable, about being able to change, and you know, uh, that that's kind of important. And to be honest, Chinese people are really good at that. I think mm -hmm. uh, certainly British. I can't speak for Canadians or Americans, but <laughs> British people love. We love to plan. I, I plan so much, but um, <laughs> yeah, you got to be really flexible with with agile. So that that can make people sweaty as well. Yeah. Okay. But yeah anyway, <laughs> an example <laughs> of, uh, of of agile gone wrong in our personal experience was we were finishing our one of our last game design courses in university, and we had to complete the get a game over the course of a semester. And we weren't using agile development. We were all being friendly, ho hum, 
we're the best game designers in the world. We're just going to flush out exactly what we put in our design document. And the game revolves around using this grappling hook mechanic. And grappling hooks are really hard to program in actually any kind of rope-based software because you have to have the rope wrap any around surfaces. Any kind of physics. It's just don't physics do it. Physics is hard, <laughs> especially in, in video months. games. <laughs> so about two months into the project, our lead dev comes over and says, we can't get the grappling hook to work. Now what? And it's like, okay, that's a good conversation to have two weeks in. Yeah, not too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the sure. kind of thing agile development can account for is just saying, okay, this can't be done. We can cut it off at the legs. We can move in a new direction. But since we weren't yes. using agile development, we missed out and wasted a lot of time, which on a tight schedule like that was a big issue. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, it's really, it's about just like being able to turn on a heel, right? Um, and, mm. and that's, it's very important to do that because I, don't, I, I mean, you, you, you're both writers, you know, and this is, we do like a weekly thing, right? And if you go ahead and write the, like, like a novel's worth of, of all this narrative, you, you know, you're working for Outer Worlds or something, you had all this stuff and then everyone's like, yeah, it doesn't really work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's more about bite-sized chunks and then iterating off of that. But yeah, I like but the you, idea of always, you're always adapting. You're always adapting, overcoming, <laughs> new, trying yeah. new things all the time. But it loops into this communication thing a lot as well, because, you know, we have like this daily, these daily talks, which are super important. And when mm -hmm. we um, have these meetings in the morning, we have to, we coach the technical uh, department, you know, the, 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 the devs to be, uh, to not speak in too techie, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you know? it's, it's important. And, and like when we're making these tasks, we try to make them very user focused. Like, mm -hmm. um, so if it's something for the marketing uh, department, we write that task, you know, from the perspective of a marketer. And that, that's super important because I don't know about you, but I've been in meetings because I'm not very technical at all. Right. I'm very, very surface technical level. And if I'm in a meeting and people are just like, firing out this stuff that they're doing that I just don't understand and there's you know maybe 10 11 people in that meeting who are all kind of technical mm -hmm. you feel really intimidated to be like uh what's an what's an api it's just like oh christ you know? like, would you say that you would like go into panic mode maybe oh, a little geez. bit oh <laughs> come on now okay, right. well that's the end of the show folks thanks so much for uh yeah, <laughs> selfless promotion here we peaked it's over yeah, forever oh my goodness that's a good point though but yeah it's, it can be intimidating to be in a room and everybody else knows what's going on in terms of these terms, like, except, or I mean, like, feel that everyone else knows. Not so subtle solution I've had to that is, like, ignorance is not the answer. Just saying, you know what, if I pretend like I know, I'll get away <laughs> with it, because that doesn't solve anything. Yes. Maybe just, like, go to your boss or someone who's in the know afterwards and say, hey, what do half of these acronyms mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, that's something that I did when I first, because... So my background, actually, funnily enough, is teaching. I started as a teacher. And really? Then I moved into cool. the video. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, was, I was an English teacher, and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But um, uh, you learn a lot about communication in that job. But, um, mm -hmm. And then I obviously moved into, into video games. But um, when I first started, I, I remember it was like our, our first daily stand-up, actually. And it was like the very first time. I was so excited. And yeah. Samson had me on as like a, a project manager slash game designer. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I said to him was, you're all like wizards to me. You know, the stuff that you do, I have no idea how you do it, but it's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, so from there on every meeting, I, I would, I would jot down like, uh, okay, so I need to check what that means. I need to know what a black box text test is. And you know what I mean? I just kind of like making these notes. 
But what we do is we, we coach people to actually speak up, right? Yeah. And that's really important. And of course, especially for Chinese people, and this is something I wanted to touch on a little bit in terms of cultural difference, mm-hmm. was, is that the Chinese and certainly, I actually ran, ran it through Canadian because I thought you'd find it interesting, but the, the Chinese and Canadian difference in um, power distance is a huge thing. So there's this um, researcher called Gert Hofstadter. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's quite, quite interesting. Um, he did this cultural dimensions uh, model across all these different countries. You can go online and check it out. It's very interesting. Okay. And he, I'm not going to dive into too much detail, but one of them is about power distance. And that means basically how much power does the boss have? Can I speak back? Can I, do I even really want to talk at all to the boss? How much, you know, that level of hierarchy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Chinese really respect their bosses. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, there's a massive power distance. Whereas if you go to Silicon Valley, you know, and you, you see, like all these people <laughs> just really, like chewing out on beanbags and whatever. Yeah. And it's much easier to just get along and maybe to, to, to criticize your boss or to, you know, in, some, in a lot of cases, companies will kind of facilitate that, right? It's to say, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not always right, you know, just uh, say something if, if I'm not right. And yeah. that's really not prevalent in China. People just, mm. even if you know the boss is wrong, they'll just go, yeah, 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 that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and don't want to speak up. So in, in, as a communication tip on that front, we always have, we have to tease it out. So we use things like concept checking questions or something like this. To, we don't just say, okay, do you understand? Because everyone's just going to nod their heads and say yes. Yeah. You actually got to ask them questions to see if they really understand. And that can put them under pressure. It re- and I know that's not something that I like to do. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's really important and they get used to it, you know, and yeah. uh, you, you just got to help people and coach people through it. But it's, it's, it's tough. It is. Yeah. Kind of like as long China. as you can sort of create like a, a safe space for people to be able to start to maybe trust one another and, and know that if you do have a question, you won't be like chastised for asking it or, or something like that, like creating a culture yes. that, that encourages questions rather than sort of being demeaning or anything like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So a question that I've always thought um, is interesting is that in in game design, typically, you know, people always talk about what it means to be a game designer. And it's a lot of these these skills that come with like the job title. Like if you're a writer, well, you got to learn to, you know, how to write. If you're a programmer, you got to be great at programming. If you're an artist, you got to be great at doing different kinds of art and and whatnot. But something I think sometimes, you know, gets sidelined is you actually also need to be a a great communicator. And I I feel like we don't talk about that or explore that enough. Do you think, uh, yeah, what what do you think of that, Chris? What what do you say to that? (laughs) I I, I fully agree. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, an operations guy i'm not a full you know a a game designer as such i mean i've I've done it for a year but i'm not a massively experienced one but from what i've you know working with jason our chief creative and damon who's the game uh director of infinite fleet it's like that this is something that that always comes up is and i'm I'm sure it's more the case in bigger companies where they came from like relic where Mm. you really have to pitch your ideas right yeah. You, know, you have you have to make sure that you package things right. And a lot of the time, I think the job of a game designer is that um, middle person between a lot of these departments, between art, between uh, technical, uh, marketing even sometimes as well, depending on, on you know how, how the marketers work. Mm. And I think that's why a, a lot of uh, game designers actually end up being um, the you know, product owners or the, the project managers of scrum teams in, in Agile because they're the ones that will be communicating the vision of what it is they, they want to do. And I, I think, obviously, 
you're right. A lot of game designers may get really like into the numbers, into the the, uh, the technical design of a lot of things, but it's so important for people to learn how to speak publicly. I think is huge. I mean, especially for um, especially if you are agile and you're, you're in an agile team, a scrum team. A lot of the time, you'll have these reviews where you're saying, "Okay, well, we want to use a, a radial menu, right, for this." Yeah spaceship gun whatever <laughs> when you use a radial menu like why you have to explain why you have to be really um succinct and make sure that it's it it makes sense and you have to package that up really nicely and and sell it you have to sell it to your team because mm-hmm. if you don't you're not going to get that alignment that we were speaking about because the developers let's say especially if you're in china for example right you know you'll, you'll get developers who just kind of nod their heads and go yeah yeah sure radio menu sounds good but in their head they're like no 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 no. we should be doing hotkeys and we should be you know that, because that makes no sense and then what you're going to get is this disparity in the team a little bit like you have to make sure that you're really able to tease it out and to do as i was saying like you know checking with the the the, the devs okay so if i've just done a radio menu thing okay so what's the shape of the menu john you know what i mean or yeah. Uh, can I use the keyboard or what's what's the purpose, right? Why why do we use radial menus? Obviously, the muscle memory and stuff, but that should be really um, clear. And, and I think communication is, is so, it's really, like you say, overlooked. And you have to learn to be an active listener, an active speaker. And I think certainly, because I, you know, I'm a sort of like hobbyist game designer, shall we say. I like, I'm, I'm sort of developing my own board game right now. Mm-hmm. And cool. As well, <laughs> it's all good fun. Maybe I have um, to have you have you back on to talk about that sometime yeah. too. <laughs> do, you, do you do board games as well? I've not I've not heard you guys talk about board games. We do, yeah. We but, talk about some board oh, games no every, every now and then. Yeah. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, yeah, but um, I think game designers can get really, especially very, you know, new, like fresh game designers, mm-hmm. are of course really passionate because this is like the dream job. Right, when yes. you get into the industry, it's super passionate about it. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to create these really awesome systems and so on and so forth. And you get really attached to your ideas and you're going to get really wrapped up in them. And once your lead says, no, that's not going to work because of X, Y, Z, you know, that's going to make things really hard. And you have to be an active listener and you have to be able to take what your lead is saying understand you don't need to agree always you can you can have conflicts conflict is a good thing there's this artificial harmony is not good you have to raise why you think your system is good and you sometimes have to negotiate and negotiation is very tough so i think one element of being a game designer is essentially being a salesperson because you're you know you've got to make sure that your leads or your team understand what it is that you're building really really clearly and you can't get upset when people criticize it. You can't, you know, you have to listen and make sure that you're not just defending your idea. You see this on like CNN all the time. I think CNN, <laughs> people on CNN are just the worst communicators ever. They're just talking over <laughs> each other. No one's listening to each other. Yeah, no one no cares about the other person's opinion mm-hmm. at all. You know, it's like you're a lefty or you're a righty and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it, you know? And, um, but there's a lot that can be learned just by sitting there and listening to your lead rather than being so wrapped up and passionate about your own idea. Yeah. But also there might be a lot that they can learn from yours so there is that element of negotiation too yeah yeah and I feel like um that's what can make our communication tricky sometimes when you have people on on opposite sides of the world is when you're in person and this is something you mentioned earlier but like body language can communicate so much I think especially when people are excited or passionate about something and I think when you're in person with somebody other people can kind of like latch on to that feeling too and, and it can help people to either get excited or maybe if 
they don't like the idea, but they see you're excited, there's a different way that they would communicate their dislike to you than if they were just like typing it out over an email or something like that, right? So it's just a kind of a second layer of a challenge, um, but one that one that we're continuing to to learn and to explore and, and figure out kind of as we go along. So like I think a lot of people just come into a team, whether it's just for school or hobbies or for or for a job, and they think that they just like. Someone says, okay, um, make, make a map of the world. And they come in and they make this map and they just think that's the way it's going to be. I've made the map, it's done. And they don't really try to sell the team on the idea. And I think that is like something that a lot of people miss that being like, there is almost like an element of charisma to it that people lose. That's the kind of thing that you have to try to be cognizant of when you are, you know, becoming a more whole game designer is being able to work with other people and present your ideas in effective and exciting ways. Yeah, and, and be able to take criticism and, and go, to go back to agile development to be able to to work on it and kill and just an kill idea if you all have your, to. All your babies. Kill, kill all, all your babies. babies. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you heard that? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is that a very, I don't know. An ironically uh... <laughs> very harsh Canadian slogan. Yeah, yeah kill your kill babies your means babies. like kill, kill the ideas you're cultivating and have turned into your baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is 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 that uh, one of those Edmund the winters of Edmonton kind of phrases? Because uh, you know, yeah, we're guarding us yeah. by our winters. We're yeah, basically winter. like a winter. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, company culture for a bit, which has kind of always been a subject of contention in the games industry lately. Yeah. So what what does a healthy company culture look like to you? Wow. Um, I really, I, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Let's <laughs> just. Uh, Why I'm a hard journalist? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I, well, for me, and well, <laughs> it's quite ironic to say for me. I believe it's about alignment, right? And look, everyone wants to work in a great company. You know, you see a lot of these Silicon Valley companies that have like bars and, you know, board games. And I know like Wayne was speaking to me before that Relic used to give them uh, Warhammer models and stuff. That sounds awesome. You know, (laughs) it sounds really awesome. But I think the culture is driven from the alignment of all the stuff, especially in the games industry. We're all in this for a reason. You know, we could be in anything. We could be in you know, software, like developing, developing things for insurance or whatever, right? It's boring. The point is, we're in this because we love games. There's not a lot of people in the industry who don't love games, right? Yeah. Um, it's a dream job. It's passion. It's something we know we're probably going to be doing overtime, um, to, or crunch and all this kind of thing. But we do it because we love what we do and we love the project. So... For the company culture, we have to show the project. We have to show our direction. We have to show this is what we're about and that everyone is really aligned on that so that the passion just takes over. That even though sometimes, yeah, we have some hard days when we really need to just get something out and really crunch, that we're able to get over those obstacles and just do it because we love the project so much. So um, to say what is a good company culture, I think it's very subjective. It depends completely on the company. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure if you're working for ID or something like that, it'd be totally different from working at Pixelmatic because they're all rock stars over there, right? But in terms of making a good company culture, whatever that means, I think it's about making sure that the vision is very, very clear about what it is that we want to do. I mean, at Pixelmatic, we want to make the, the best ever space game. And I know that it, we're extremely ambitious. You know, Sonny, our, our CTO, is, is really ambitious on the, technic- on, the, on the technical side and really drives people to kind of, do things where they're a bit like, 
oh, can we do this, you know? But actually, that's, that's part of what we are, you know? So yeah, Pixelmatic's company values are uh, excellence, responsibility, and passion, right? And this is something that we reiterate a lot with the team. And I, to be honest, I think this is something that I haven't spoken to you both much about. And it's, it's actually given me a kick because when we do have distributed teams, it is hard to uh, make sure that those that, that message comes through, yeah. other than the fact that it's on our mug and our website and everything. But we, we do <laughs> need to reiterate it and, and really drive it because you, you know, uh, working here as well, that like we have extremely high standards, right? Mm-hmm. And our culture is quite, it can be quite tough for some people, actually, I think, because we, we actually are quite demanding but we also like hugely ambitious and it's such an exciting project that I think that outweighs it and makes people really willing to push and go, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to make an awesome game here. And um, I, th- I think that's important. I think that making sure that we have a really good alignment on what we're doing and that we're excited to do it and, and we're really willing to push ourselves and to, to have that passion excellence and you know responsibility to get through then then it's good because it's having that mission statement right um yeah. it's, it's one of those things that all companies should really have but like i said going back to the original question i don't think there's one good company culture i think it's just how that culture is communicated uh and and driven by by the whole organization top down and bottom up right yeah we need to really get a, a slogan like that for panic mode we don't have company values here <laughs> that's true we should get some company values <laughs> Really instill those in uh, the two the two people working for it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that sounded so corporate, you know. I, I, I feel that it's so, but it is important, you know. I mean, like having yeah. these mission statements, these values, you've, you've got like this 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 goal and, and the way that you're you're working. And, and I think that's super important in, in any organization. And you know whether you're going to fit in or not, right? I mean, if those, yeah. if those values are clear to people coming on board when you're recruiting and when people are getting really familiar with, with the working and everything, then, then it's important for people to know early, right? If, hey, you know what, this isn't going to work for me, um, or this is great, I'm going to really push myself and learn some stuff, you know? That, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. So uh, the last question we have for you is, what advice would you give to someone who is interested in getting into the industry and even more specifically wow. doing something that you want to do? And I know I'm lifting this question from Game Maker's Toolkit, or the Game Maker's <laughs> Notebook, the uh, other podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> Cite <But> your sources. <laughs> Cite your sources. But it's um, I think it's a good question to have uh, to people tell their stories, because I think a lot of game developers do have different stories on how they got into the industry. Yeah. Yeah, we'd yeah. love to. I mean, I- I was I was super lucky, really. I mean, uh, the thing is, I, again, it comes back to passion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're super passionate about games, making games specifically as well, I, th- I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you actually start making games, it's a lot different from playing them. Yep. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot different. Oh, man, I'll drink to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to be ready for that, you know. Um, I would say make games, right? If it's, if it's a board game, if it's learning Unity 3D, whatever, just make games in the first place. That's a good start if you want to get into the industry, in my opinion. Um, because there's nothing stopping you in your own time. However much, you know, however little time you have, you can always put half an hour of pen to paper building some paper prototype of a board game or any, you can do it. You can find the time. I don't think there's any reason to not be building games if you want to be building games, right? Uh, you know, we're talking about game design here as opposed to any of the other, the other uh, uh, areas of, of uh, the industry. But um, I, you know, as a recruiter, if we were looking at some uh, fresh game designer who doesn't have a whole lot of experience coming in the industry, if they came to me and said, well, you know what, I've never worked at a company before, 
but hey, I've 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 built this and it's it's gone to you know I'm completion. This is my project. Check out my Twitter feed. Check out my um, Patreon. Whatever it might be that you've actually done something, even if you were previously you know working a nine to five at KFC or something, but you went home and were, were building your own game. That would be huge for me. That would really resonate, you know. Um, and I think that if you if you're really struggling to get into the industry, just <laughs> Build the industry yourself, right? Make, make, make a game, you know. <laughs> make a game. That's going to turn heads. It's really going to turn heads, and I, I, and I think that's super important because what people want in a junior game designer, I believe, some people might want the, the qualifications. I, at Pixelmatic, I don't think that someone we we would hire a game designer just because they got a qualification from Vancouver Film Film School or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be looking at their passion, looking, you know, a little, of course, at their, their, um, yeah, what, what, I don't know what you call it over there, but uh, your grades and stuff. But yeah, it's about that passion that you really want to be a gamer and you want to build it because that's that's what we're looking for in the first place. Someone who can have the work ethic and and will learn. Because when I was hired originally, I came on as a part time game designer. I was actually a uh, uh, director of operations at a, a, a training school, English training school. I had nothing to do with games. Um, I was yeah, like, like I was building um, English training schools around China. Um, yeah. Which was a very, very intense job. Uh, a lot of fun, loved it, but very, very intense job. And I met Sonny, uh, CTO, at the, at the gym, which was really fun. Because <laughs> uh, his, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, if you look at both me and him, there's no reason why we, sh- well, we should be in the gym, but there's no reason why you would expect <laughs> us to be. That's, um, not, what, that's not what I meant, Chris. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, the, but my, my wife's a personal trainer, and his wife was being personal trained by my wife. And they're both Chinese, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you two are from from outside of China. Why don't you talk?" I was like, uh, okay, oh, that's, too funny. <laughs> that's a very Chinese thing to do. But yeah, anyway, so, um, I don't know if other people can actually follow that specific path into the games industry. But <laughs> no, so no, 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 I, I don't recognize. So go to China, marry a personal trainer, and then, <laughs> no, no, no. But that's that's not my point. But the, the thing yeah. is, um, I was working a full time job, and I and I went part time in Pixelmatic on, you know, it was just a, it was a trial run because I was never in the game industry. So I didn't take a whole lot of money from it, which was not, you know, of course, why would I? It's, it's a risk for them. Mm-hmm. And I just worked really, really hard, did a lot of overtime in that spare time evenings and, and, and weekends to say, hey, you know, I can do this. And then Samson and Sonny and that were like, hey, you know what, maybe maybe he can come on as a PM, you know, because that would be... Uh, because you know, seems like he can do it. So, and that you know what I mean. It's it's about doing extra, going the extra mile, and that's very important in this industry because everyone wants to get into it. You know, yeah. you got to stand out. You got to stand right. out. Perfect. On that note, uh, I think we're going to wrap the show up there. So, Chris, if people wanted to get a hold of you, if you had, they had some more questions, where can they reach you? Um, well, Twitter's always a good one. Um, so at Chris Wood one eight two one. All right, we will, we will link that uh, in the yeah, show notes. We'll yeah. link you. Thank you so much for your time today, Chris, and for sitting down with us. This was so fun. We always love talking to you, whether it's about work or at work or around work. So this was great. <laughs> yeah, me too. The ple- <laughs> pleasure's all mine. The pleasure's all mine. It's been it's been a lot of fun. All right, take care, everyone. Perfect. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, see you on the job. <laughs> Thanks very much. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode, and we'll see you next time.